Welcome to the Rugby Rant Podcast Show, your premier North American rugby podcast. Growing rugby, one fan at a time. And welcome back, rugby fans, for episode 155 of the Rugby Rant Podcast Show. And again, those familiar sounding voices here assembled for this episode 155. My name is Ty, the Sapper Braga, joined by, of course, Rob, the Hammer Hammerschmidt. And Hi. What was that? What the hell was that? <laughs> Just Somebody got Tourette's? Doing something a little different, you know, a little He's drunk. spicy. Getting a little spicy. <laughs> <laughs> it was totally it's, through the rhythm of the uh, know, I'm sorry, it's, but, you yeah. know, it's getting colder here in Chicago. I feel like you know the the Swiss uh, the Swiss snowfall is just around uniquely the midwestern side, you know? by yodeling. <laughs> All right. Well, last but not least, got the big guy Ferraro who agrees hey with me already. It's minus Ooh. one for Rob in this episode. Um, <laughs> so, tell, gentlemen, tell as- everybody why I'm mood, Scott. <laughs> Yeah, that's uh, that was that was a fun. I had cows in my yard uh, last night. That was fun. They escaped from the farm behind me. Um, my wife came in and she's like, "There's a cow and the, there's cows in the yard." To which I was like, "Is this is this some kind of spy thing? Like the eagle has landed?" She goes, "No, there's fucking cows in the yard." And I went outside and there was cows in the yard. I'm sure Rob will post a little clip of it here. But yes, we had cloud. We had cows in the yard. And 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 how did I respond to that? I don't remember. <laughs> uh, well, I I think I said by something mimicking like, the mating you know, sound finders of keepers bull and yeah, cow. finders keepers. Now you, by, finders yeah. keepers. I mean, technically, in the state of New York, I believe if they cross the fence, you can claim them as your own. If there the owner go, you got yourself some milk. Take another one for some meat. <laughs> oh, and yeah. you're good to go yeah. for at least. You, you say milk. I'm going for steak. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's what I said. Not too. <laughs> well, gentlemen, let's dive back into the course of why we're here. Of course, talking about the rugby. And for those fans tuning in, we'd like to be able to start each and every episode with around the pitch as we share what we think you should learn about, what you should know about, what might have flown under the radar when it comes to everything rugby. And we'll be back in just a moment to do so. As long as it's not cows. So, gentlemen, you know how it goes. Fans tuning in knows how it goes. So we're going to throw it over to you, Scott, first to start us off. So uh, my round-the-pitch topic today is the uh, unfortunate loss. Um, USA Eagles lost to Scotland 24-14 in the second round of the uh, W-15s. Um, you know, it was it was a tough match against a good Scotland side. Um, you know, a couple, couple breaks away right at the end there, Tess Fury – um, kind of got tackled into touch right before she reached out to, to, to cross the try line. Um, a couple minutes later, did set up a, another try from from the Eagles. Um, interestingly enough, Charlie Jacoby and um, Paige uh, Stathopopoulos scoring. Um, you know, it's you know Paige uh, uh, coming in as the backup hooker. Obviously, that rolling ball technique is something that the women utilize especially well. Um, you know, just just like the men do. So it wasn't um, wasn't for not you know we played a hard team, um, a good good Scotland team. Uh, next Saturday the Eagles are closing out their season against Italy. Um, the Italians have won their two 
last two matches, defeating Japan and South Africa in comfortable fashion. Um, so, you know, it's going to be a tough one for USA to, to really hit. But I think if we can get there, um, we can give them, give them a run for the money. So absolutely. USA women, yeah, USA women doing their thing. Yeah, absolutely. Right. And, and uh, there's so much to look forward to through this uh, WXV series. It's just more competition at a higher level consistently. So obviously it's just going to get better and better. Um, and they're, they're continuing to, uh, uh, to exert their, their, themselves against the tougher and tougher competition doing so. Uh, I got one lined up one in that in that regard too. So let me actually just use yours as a springboard into mine, uh, and and just hijack the spot from Rob. Um, <laughs> well, we're talking about WXV, right? Which is now the uh, the three different tiers that have been identified for women's rugby, international rugby, um, and it's a phenomenal attempt to be able to give them an opportunity to play more rugby. As I said before, in the category for number one tier one is Canada, who recently took on Australia. With a phenomenal win of 45 to 7. Shout out to Sophie DeGoody, been on the show several times, wonderful lover uh, of our show. We are a wonderful lover of hers, and she scored 17 points herself. Canada looking super smart, strong, and continuing to be able to use those assets, having eight players continue applying their trade elsewhere in the world, international levels. It's only a great benefit to them, bringing it back to their side, nurturing that next generation, and they're getting the rewards from it now. So great to be able to see the USA and Canada, although not in the same place in this tournament, competing at high levels. And we expect good things to come from that. So check it out from Canada and the US. Excellent quality rugby, not to be missed. WXV, learn more about it. Rob, I hand it back to you, my friend. Yeah, well, we're on the topic of international rugby. The 2023 International Wheelchair Rugby Cup just concluded. Give a little rundown on that. But for those who hadn't checked it out, uh, take a look at a movie produced by MTV called Murder Ball. It was kind of focused on Mark Zupan, but it really kind of encapsulates um, a bigger approach to the life of a wheelchair athlete and it really goes through and explains wheelchair rugby really well. It, it turned me on to the sport. Consequently, a guy later coached with twin brother, Kevin Orr actually was head coach of the United States team. So it's really interesting to follow uh, the sport. Um, in the final, Australia beat Canada 53 to 48 for the championship. Japan beat France 50 to 49 in the third place match. And the U S was beaten um, by great Britain in the sixth place match, 43 to 45. But let's take something away from this, folks. The men's Eagles did beat the Kiwis in rugby, in wheelchair <laughs> rugby, 48 to 35. So we can, you know. Yeah, let, me, let, me, let me let me yeah. say this. USA has been one of the most competitive teams yeah, in wheelchair yeah. rugby. Um, you know, there was a, a round-the-pitch topic, um, you know, two years ago. My buddy Nikki Springer played for that team. Unfortunately, he passed away. You know, gold medalist. Um, you know, this, this was the inaugural World Cup, but – championship gold medalist uh you know olympic gold medalist um you know it's it's a wonderful sport to watch um and uh i know lee Fredette got that mvp at, at the 1.0 position um the way they break down uh, um how you you're allowed to have four players on the pitch at once and they can only accumulate up to 8.5 points uh the lower the point score the more disabled uh, disabled the you're players. considered the yeah. player is um you know so it, it's it's very interesting how they go and they match Every player, the maximum uh, is three point five. Everybody has to have a, a generally a spinal cord or neurological issue that affects at least three of their limbs. 
Um, it's really fun to watch because they go hard. Um, and they right. hit, and and it's oh, yeah. also it's also mixed gender. So right. Yeah. Right. exactly. And that, and that's a the cool thing is a strategy behind the point system too. It adds in a whole other element. Um, before we get away from it, one of the things I do want to mention is the significance of the pan the para Pan Am games are coming up here in a couple, in like a week, and this is going to be the qualification for the 2024 uh, Paris Olympic Games. So it's something to pay attention to. Yeah. And it personifies the same spirit of rugby that we've all come to love. Um, so rugby in any form, we like it, right? So let me take the opportunity to throw it back to you, Scott, before I dive in with my last one and uh, and, and for Rob as well. So episode 155, as Ty had mentioned, but we're going to toot our own horn a little bit here at the Rugby Rant. Uh, we finally broke 6,000 likes on our Facebook page. We're up to 6,300 and something. Um, you know, So thank you to the fans who continue to support us continue to help us do what we do, you know, watch the videos, like all the posts, like the Facebook page, follow us on social media. So we really appreciate that. Yeah. You know, help with, with, you know, sponsorships and things like that. So please guys continue the support because we love it. And we thank you. Believe it or not, there are people out there that actually want to listen to us. <laughs> you would have thought <laughs> Who would have thought? All started because of the the rugby uh, closure of the pandemic, and here we are, a few years on, um, and it's been a tremendous journey. And uh, again, wonderful shout out there. But the, really, the shout out is to all the fans, as Scott pointed out. Uh, without their support, we wouldn't be able to do this. And we always continue to say it: we aim to grow rugby one fan at a time. Um, so everybody helps doing that. And uh, one of those people that is certainly helping rugby to grow, a shout out of the friend for the show here, Dave Fee. He's been with us a few times. In fact, it's probably, I think he's part of the five-timer club now, right, yeah. guys? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely, right? Uh, and and for that, um, you know, he's a great friend to the show, um, wonderful wealth of knowledge, former USA Eagle and now coach. In fact, the shout-out goes even farther because we want to send a good luck message to his team headed down to uh, Chile, Valparaiso, to be able to compete in the Pan Am Games for Rugby Sevens. He's going to be headed to the Pan Am Series alongside some great talents, and we wish them well, we wish them luck, and we're probably going to get a few updates from him along the way here on the show. As I mentioned before, a great fan of what we do, but more importantly, we are a fan of what he does. Yeah. So, Rob, throw it to you, my friend. Yeah, well, let's end this one. A special shout-out and congratulations to Cam Dolan of the Nola Gold. We don't always do this, but you just inked another contract, what, through 2025, so for two more seasons, if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. uh, a big piece of that is it keeps him in New Orleans. He's got an, a beautiful, wonderful lady down there, Ellen, so um, I know he likes spending time with her. She's from that area, but I think the big piece is – we know this is going to at least help to some degree um, Cam chase that huge mark. He's currently at uh, 65 caps. We got a couple tests coming up this fall, and he's chasing uh, 76 camp, uh, caps. The um, maximum caps that has ever, uh, you know, been achieved by a U.S. Eagle, and that would be Todd Clever. So, um, you know, from one number eight to the next, I suppose. Let's hope Cam achieves that mark because it's well worth it, at least for me as a gold fan. 
Absolutely. And there we have it around the pitch, all done and dusted. Stick around, rugby fans, because we're going to be back with an interesting debate. We're talking more about the idea of changing numbers on jerseys, moving away from tradition from the 1 to 15. And instead, just pick what number you like as it falls more in line with the American sports culture. Is it a great idea? Pros and cons. We'll be back in a moment to learn more about what these guys think. And of course, you can tell us what you think by dropping a comment down below, following us under our social media handle at Rugby Rant Pod. Wherever you may get us, let us know what you think. We'll be back in just a moment. Tighthead Brewing Company is not just Chicago's premier location to watch rugby and enjoy quality ales and lagers. It is also a great place to enjoy local acts performing live music every Thursday and Saturday nights. Additionally, their Wednesday night trivia nights are something not to be missed. Tighthead is located in Mundelein, Illinois, and easily accessible for many Chicagoans, and it is just steps away from the metro. Owner Bruce Durr and the Tighthead staff are dedicated to ensure your microbrew experience is as tight as their beers. Bruce's love for rugby extends beyond the origin of his brewery's name. Tighthead is committed to supporting the rugby community. This includes his support for Lake County RFC and our own Rugby Rant Podcast show. Tighthead's tap room is like the familiar rugby clubhouse in which friends and teammates can meet, socialize, and enjoy the wide variety of brews on tap. Regardless of whether your palate enjoys a good IPA or dark barrel-aged brew, Tighthead can deliver. Hey, Chicago, when you want rugby, Tighthead Brewing Company will satisfy your thirst. Tighthead, it's worth more than a try. gentlemen here we go it's time for the debate the main act has arrived now this one is uh interesting because for me you know i grew up in rugby traditional country of south africa 1 to 15 then extended to the reserves up to 23 this is your team you know your place you know your mark you fill the jersey and the legacy that it represents by its number that's the traditionalist attitude but we're going to try and play devil's advocate here for a moment and be well what if we did something different because america has a unique style and flavor and its own great customs brought to rugby we've already proven that through many great seasons of major league rugby but who better to be able to discuss this than two americans themselves right so let's hand it back to you gentlemen and scott you had started the last round so i'm actually going to hand the mic over to rob to be able to lead us on this occasion so with that in mind let me propose one question to be able to start us off here rob how would allowing players to choose their jersey numbers impact flat, sorry, fan player connection and the marketability? So somewhere inside there, let's hear your thoughts. Well, I, I guess I would say this, that in truth be told, one of the reasons why the numbers are so important to American football players is because the faces are hidden behind these giant, you know, gridiron masks. And so it's they're a little less identifiable uh, unless there are shots, you know, images uh, from the sidelines where, you know, the players are removing their hats to put on a stocking cap. They put on a regular baseball cap. But, you know, it's one of the things that draws that connection. I think with rugby, like basketball in America, uh, and and like, uh, you know, uh, football, English football, and um, like baseball, it's a little more easily 
able to identify athletes because their faces aren't covered up unlike sure. hockey and, and American football. So I, I'm not tethered to the idea that it's necessary. I, you know, I think that, you know, athletes are rugby athletes are still very marketable. I, just look at what's happened with Owen Farrell over the course of the last couple of weeks. Certainly a lot of memes have been made. You know, there's certainly not a lot of FaceTime that he's gotten uh, next to Ben O'Keefe, the match official for last weekend's Box England game. Um, and then, you know, of course, the post-match uh, conference, which now a lot of videos and memes have been made of. Uh, and certainly he's been he's been made fun of. But I, I feel like you're giving every reason you shouldn't have your name on the jersey and your number. <laughs> well, Names I feel differently about numbers. Right. I, 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 I have a difference of opinion on those two, but I, my point is, is I'm just not sure is it's, it's as important to have that um, number for marketability because the faces in rugby are more visible right. and there's a lot of opportunities to see players, even on a sin bin, you get them sitting there in the sin bin and you can clearly see a face. So you can tell a story along with that uh, player that's been tossed in the sin bin. <laughs> yeah and, and you know for for marketability that's a good point though and i love the fact that you brought up yes some sports where it's certainly popular well you don't see that face you don't have a player likeness to connect with and then it does change fan engagement because it's not a recognizable image they see all the time really solid points actually an opening i didn't think that you were going to share so it's great there let's hand it over to you scott do you have a response to uh to that well i mean i i, I you do make a point rob about um marketability you know visually seeing the players their face things like that obviously american football that's tough but now the american football has changed the way they're numbering um really pretty much defensive linemen and really the the hardest the the most critical uh rule is on offensive linemen and then really that has to do with the rules right so if you look at american football offensive linemen can't pass the line of scrimmage on a pass play right so you want to make sure that those offensive linemen have numbers between 50 and 79 so that way the referees can make a call if they need to. You know, that kind of makes sense. I get that. Um, it's kind of tough. But, you know, those are also old school numbers, right? And a lot of people want the old school way of playing rugby. I, this is one of those things that personally, on a personal level, I could give two shits about. If Marcel Brocky wants to wear the 99 and wants to be called the great one like Gretzky, go for it, you know? I don't think it's that big of an issue. I think what, what needs to happen, though, is a, stand, a standardization in the MLR on how we're wearing those numbers, right? So what right. I mean is a number on the back and maybe a number on the front of the shorts because we're trying to draw on players. Maybe we do eventually move into a, a free-for-all of numbers, which, again, personally, I don't care. I think we need to grow the game here in the States, and we could do that a little bit easier by sticking with the current numbers and, and the way they're they're used for law. Um but again, like personally, I really don't care. Uh, if, again, Marcel Brocky brought it up, and it, it's funny. And my buddy Dan Brown, um, you know, was like, "Well, what do you? What, now we have to name the eight man." Right? <laughs> so, and Marcel goes, "Well, it's you know, it's not like they change jerseys, you know, when they sub out." And I was like, "Marcel, you've obviously been playing top flight rugby for way too long, because in Division Four, we certainly do share the same jerseys because there's only 17 total kits. <laughs> so, you know, we don't even have enough kit to, to get that number in the lower, lower level. Yeah. But I think it's one of those things where, you know, Marcel twilight of his career, he's played a lot of international rugby. He's played a lot of professional rugby internationally. 
Um, and he wants to have some fun with it. So I see, I see why the most interesting thing is he kind of calls out the MLR about this change. Like they had talked about it previously. Now, I don't know if that was part of some type of negotiation as they're going into this um, NLRB vote for unionization. And maybe they're, they, it's something they want to put in the CBA, but you know, all those issues are those, those, those types of issues. Um, you know, sometimes you want to live to fight another day and maybe it's not worth fighting. Yeah. And certainly a pick your battles type thing though. And, and again, I wanted to be able to highlight what you were talking about and for those fans tuning in on social media, Marcel Brucky had made this post, as you said, kind of provocatively asking the question of the MLR. And that's where you're drawing your comments from, um, leading us to believe that these conversations had been had. So I just wanted to clarify that there so everybody knows that this is not something that, that Scott came up and chose Marcel Brocky as just one example. It's the example yeah. that brought this to, to conversation. So, Rob, you wanted to come in uh, with something else? What's interesting is, yeah, I've made the point kind of supporting the idea that it's not necessary for marketing purposes to go with numbers and, and, and tied to a player, right? Uh, on the other hand, it just dawned on me a couple of minutes ago, almost as as I just got the words out of my mouth. Damian Stevens, of course, Nebby being Scrum Half uh, and Scrum Half for the Nola Gold, he actually has a sportswear brand called DS9, right? And it's he's actually selling jerseys and kit and stuff like that, so you guys can check it out. But the design is built around, of course, his uh, initials, but it's also designed around the number nine. Uh, which is synonymous with a scrum half. I, I don't know how that changes the argument. I mean, he made use of the number tied to his mm-hmm. name as a means to market himself and his brand. A little easier because scrum halves are pretty, uh, you know, it's it's a pretty set position. In other words, scrum halves are are very specific skill set, right? I mean, yes, you might have Richie Mwanga step in when Nugget goes off, but by and large, it's, I mean, Faf plays nine. He can play some other things, but he mostly plays nine. Same thing with Damien. Um, so I don't know that the same can be said for other positions. Although, like Jonah Lumu, I mean, his number was synonymous with being aware. Right. And and these personalities that have already formed around those players. Yeah. I'm sorry, around those player numbers. Yeah. So when you think of an 11, you think of a 14, you think of a winger, and we can all think of a joke about wingers. Right. You know, the guys with the cleanest uniforms on the, at the end of the game, uh, because the idea is they don't put in the hard yards that if there were a one to five, you know, or a six to eight and, um, you know, forwards versus backs. And there's this great rivalry and tradition. And, and I guess the battle really is in, in the United States bringing rugby to this new landscape or at least new for rugby is where do you strike the perfect balance between tradition and innovation? Exactly. And I think, I think that's the thing we get stuck on because we always go back to the, you know, traditional, you know, be silent for the kicker and you know what's innovative and we're trying to make our own culture. But I do think early on while we're trying to build up to a rugby world cup where the world cup isn't going to change that the, the way the numbers work. Right. And we want to have people interested in the rugby world cup, but what we need to do is start now so that they're interested in rugby world cup 2027 so that USA can qualify. And then that will build that wave into 2031. So is it, is it doable? Yes. Well, you know, the players have fun with it. I'm sure, you know, I'm, I'm waiting to see who comes up with the number 69. You know, I can name a couple right. of guys. That I think we, and there's gotta be a few numbers yeah, that are you know, off limits already. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, but, but 
if if the goal and the MLR's goal, right, is to be marketable and to be profitable and to bring in more fans to understand the game, what's the number one thing we hear from new fans? Well, I don't understand the game. Mm-hmm. One of the easiest things to understand is when you tell them that the, the positions are numbered. Right. It's like the, one of the first things they could, they understand easily. Yeah. This I mean, past weekend, I brought an Iowa guy to be able to come to the uh, semifinals to watch South Africa versus England. And by the way, a big mistake. Don't take somebody brand new to watch a game with who actually want to watch. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, uh, but, but, you know, bless his heart. You know, asking all the right questions. Like, hey, I, you know, do they all wear the same number? Like, I'm like, yeah, actually they do. And now he's got, you know, a, a football game on another screen. He's watching. He's like looking at the comparisons. I'm like, well, the reason it's like that is because, you know, the role and the position has this task and is done by this person. Now, the modern game has changed and it's evolved. And we certainly have flexible, flexible positions than ever before. But when the scrum sets, one to eight has a job. Nine to fifteen has a job, and and how do how when are those moments that you would most easily identify what's going on is when there's a stoppage in the play and there's a reset and you can start understanding what's the next thing that happens. So it's almost like a you know for lack of a better way to describe it, rugby's version of paint by numbers. Absolutely, <laughs> and you know what's interesting, Scott. You you said you know uh, the confusion and things like that that can be had if if you're if you're using numbers that aren't linked to a position. It's kind of funny because uh, an old coach of mine, uh, shout out to Graham Lawson. Graham was from Northern England. And so he was a league man, right? He came to the United Mm -hmm. States, started coaching rugby. Um, We got to the Midwest finals, went to the national championships in D2. And that year we actually wore letters. and. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Set of numbers. So, of course, your loose head prop was A, your hooker was B and C your tight ends and so on which is a total from what i was told a league thing i'd never watched a lick league before but no matter where we went and we were playing d2 rugby so anybody that came to watch it it was kind of rugby savvy otherwise they wouldn't have been there watching d2 rugby and and they kind of went why are you guys wearing letters instead of numbers i don't understand so even those people that had just started to watch rugby understood the number concept in 15s and that the numbers were linked to a position. And beyond that, think about like even at the international level right now with subs. So we know as well-heeled savvy rugby watchers that the subs are 16 through 23. So when Marty Labak comes off at what, Ty, I don't know. Any uh, first minute. Minute or something like that. And you subbed on and, and you've got um, – uh, um, who came Andre on? Pollard. Yeah, Andre Pollard. And Pollard's, he was wearing, I think, the 22 jersey or the 23 jersey or something like that. He came on. Your first question as a savvy person is, what the hell happened to Labak? Why'd he come off? You know, and somebody that's right. watching can say, well, he was subbed off. It wasn't an injury sub. It was, yeah. And, and so it kind of explains a little bit about what's happened in the game. You know, yeah. if somebody hasn't been, 
and, and Rob, crazy. you're describing the Saturday afternoon I had trying <laughs> to watch uh, the game. <laughs> so, so all of our experiences have some, somehow been yeah. repeated. Well, it, no, it's relevant because I was sat next to somebody who's a newcomer to rugby who wants to be able to enjoy it. I encourage yeah. them to come and watch the game with me. And the very same thing. What? Why would you bring? Why would you bring your kicker off? Who's kind of like you know your fly off is your quarterback yeah. is the way I kind of compared it. Although you could argue nine and ten of you know a lot of comparisons there. But you know for this argument, I said imagine he's your your quarterback and you changed him at the thirty first minute of an eighty minute game. Well, something went wrong then. Yeah. Well, yeah. okay, yeah. He could identify it and relate it to a sport that he understood and its impact on it because of a number. And he's the person who said, oh, how come you told me there were 15 guys? Why has he got 23 in his pack? Or maybe it was 20, whatever. So, yeah, it's actually a little bit easier to follow. Um, I don't think that, that I don't think you have to understand the purpose of the position to know its impact. Yep. Right. Right. Absolutely. I think here's the thing, you know, when it comes to marketability, you know, Individual players have marketed themselves. Mauro Itoje markets, markets himself on his face. You know, there's always pictures of him smiling. That's what you see. So when mm-hmm. you, you, when, and a lot of times when you see him, he's out of his rugby kit doing modeling gigs, you know, um, Ben Foden was modeling, you know, we, we had, there's a, there's been a, quite a few rugby models out there. And I think we don't necessarily need to market the individual via a, a, a kit number. As much as we just need to market the individual in the U.S. in the, in the game, right? The and, I, and I do think that we need to do, or not that we need to, but we can do a better job. So, some alternatives. Well, well, actually, I wanted to go through this list of why football says it's an advantage to be able to have unique numbers, and see how much of that has value in rugby. So, one was individual expression allows players to express their identity, creating a unique brand. Sure, I can get that, how that may be possible. But we've obviously given the counter argument that that can still be possible by filling a jersey that's 11 or 15 or whatever it is. The other one, fan engagement, enhances fan-player connection so they can follow their players no matter what team they're at. Uh, The other is marketability. We spoke about that. Inspiration can inspire the youth to be able to identify with a player and playing style and be encouraged to do something of a similar nature. General Lomu's had that effect within the 11 journey, Jersey, Brian Habana, uh, you know, the list can go on with uh, Colby. Um, Then finally is adaptation. So aligns the MLR with the other leagues around the, uh, the the u.s so that one we've already addressed many of those um would you would you guys agree that for those same reasons the mlr would want to look into doing this i think it would be a sign if the players want it it's something that doesn't affect the mlr then their bottom line mm-hmm. but again what are you looking to do? And I think if you if you went to the players and say, "Well, we well we understand what you want. We do think it's going to be a detriment to growing the game to new rugby fans." Right. I think those players would would understand it at that point. Um, and then you know, and, and and to jump on your point just for a moment though, I like that you brought that up because let's just imagine it's an absolute phenomenal success and it's embraced by every player and every major league rugby fan. And we bring new fans to it, and every goal has been achieved. And then we say, hey, you should also go watch USA Rugby. Well, what's this about 1 to 15? You know, and there's no uniformity in, in that. They have to, they now see it as a completely separate brand. They have to learn a new way on top of that. 
Well, well, to that degree too. Think about the inverse is true. Let's take let's take up. I mentioned you know a guy like Cam Dolan early right. in the episode and around the pitch, or a guy like Bryce Campbell who plays out center at number thirteen. Let's just say those guys with the respective teams be at the gold of the hounds. They pick a number and they market themselves, and it has a lot of success. And let's face it, it would probably have more regional success, but it might have some sure. national success. Right. And then they go and play with USA rugby and then they're locked into the respective numbers that are not at all tied to their success, mm. uh, at least at the international level. Right. Yeah, and now you lose the, the strength sudden, of the brand and the marketability that you spend so much time. Brand, right. And, mm. and what is a higher pinnacle of success? USA Eagles and national team honors or, you know, no disrespect to the MLR, but the MLR honors. I think we'd have to say Eagles National. As a rugby fan, you say that, but I wonder if you had to ask, which is the higher honor, to play for your Major League Baseball franchise, win a World Series, or to represent America at the World Baseball Classic? Um, well, let's uh, let's. It's a tough one. I two see different things. Like, it's like, two different. Well, no, but it's two different. Th- it's two different yeah. things because the World Baseball Classic isn't as you know a lot of the MLB players don't play in it. Um, right. The the rules right. on how you get a, a into your team via heritage are very loose. Right. So, so my um, point, my point is, like in hockey, you mean to tell me hockey players going to the Olympics? Uh, okay. You know, when when it was opened up to professional hockey players, yeah. that those guys weren't absolutely chomping at the bit to be members of the USA or Canadian hockey team, or for that matter, USA basketball with the 92 Barcelona games, those guys like Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen weren't chomping at the bit. And there again, you know, they didn't actually wear their same numbers, um, you know, in the, in the Olympic games that they do, you know, for the Bulls or for, uh, mm-hmm. you know, with their respective teams. Um, and to a degree, I think, I think there was a bit of marketability loss because of it. Yeah. I mean, the thing is you can go into these other leagues and talk about famous numbers. You guys know I'm a hockey guy, you know, Lemieux comes into the league and he infamously wears the 66 because it's the opposite of Gretzky's 99. You know what I mean? You have, um, you have good ones, right? You have like um, uh, Yarmir Yager, you know, the reason Yarmir Yager wears the number 68 yeah, is yeah, is is was the, it, the, is it the Czech, or was it? No, it was the Czech the Czech Republic uprising in '68. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, you know things like that. So I mean, it's 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 crazy how some of these guys pick their numbers. I know Steve Hines picked the number 57 because he wanted the announcers to say Hines 57 uh, when he announced them. You know, so mm-hmm. you have you have infamous numbers like Ray Bork. You know, um, um, you know, retiring the the seven jersey in Boston, he went with the double seven. You know, you had Miroslav Shatan wearing 81. You had Carl Hagelin wearing 62. And you've seen now numbers kind of fluctuate instead of the standard, you know, the goalie wears uh, 20 to 30 or the number one, you know, right. or 20 to 30. Um, now they're, they're wearing whatever they want, you know, and, and I think the marketability doesn't affect it because you can go to a different team and it's famous of, of players paying off other players to get their number back, you know? Well, and to rugby's point, uh, point in talking about the numbers, you know, I can't remember who it was, which All Black said it, um, but it was great. It's like, you know, uh, I think it was Whitelock. Um, but he said in an interview, is like when he came in and he was a young boy and he had a mentor, a senior above him. And I can't remember who it was in the interview. I wish I did remember it. 
But the story goes along the lines when he came in and he gave him a little bit of lip and he knew that he was the young stud on the field. And the guy said, look, I'm going to give you the skills, but I'm not going to give you the jersey. It's your job to take it from me. Yeah. And, and there's a value and a tradition and a legacy associated to the number that you have to earn it. Well, not, and, and have it given to you. And, and let's face it, I think that we've seen in some cases, especially at international teams, but I know, for example, at Lindenwood, they did it um, when when Preston got his uh, sevens championship, national championship ring, they were announcing the teams and uh, Macy had brought in a player, an alumnus that wore that shirt, wore that number. Right. And it was, I think they were playing right the next day or somebody. And, that you know, it was the number 11 you know, turned over right. the, the jersey. The handing to, of the baton, you know. It was a passing of the baton. And so, you know, that's a real effective technique for a lot of coaches in order to build camaraderie, in order to build. And I think that's why a lot of people are afraid that we're going to abandon some of the great traditions in rugby yeah. for the sake of expanding the commercial product. And while it does have to exist and there has to be some give and there has to be some take, and we understand that we can stomach many of these changes if the greater good is being achieved through it. But I think a lot of people are not quite as clearly uh, or can't quite clearly see the greater good through this initiative. But I mean, um, it, but the, the, the part, the way, the way you continue to move the sport forward is through innovation. Right? Sure. And a lot of kids today don't value tradition. We're seeing this now in college football. The traditional college football conferences are all being broken up. Right. And the Big Ten is, is no longer just the Big Ten. Now they have the Big Rutgers Ten on the is East 18. Coast. The Big 12 is 14. Yeah, I mean, the, the Big Ten used to be a Midwestern conference. Now it has Rutgers on the East Coast. Right. It has UCLA and USC on the West Coast and maybe Washington coming in as well. You know, the, the, the Pac-12 has been essentially abandoned. You know, so, I mean, you're, you're having things like, Oklahoma going to the SEC and all of a sudden Oklahoma and Oklahoma state aren't going to be playing in a rivalry game anymore. You know, so that, and what that means is the players on those, those teams don't care about that as much and neither do the current crop of fans, because if they cared about it that much, it would have made way more noise on that movement. So my point being is if we have a fan base that doesn't put that much of a premium on tradition, we got to stop, you want you you build the fan base by bringing in younger people. So we have to stop this whole thing. So I so I've got, a, Facebook, I've got a no, let me just idea. real quick. Yeah. You see it on Facebook, and I see a lot of the same people say the same things are the sure. same age bracket about this tradition because that's yeah. not the way they played the game. Well, guess what? Yeah. Nine times out of ten, you're not playing the game anymore. And again, the way to build the game up and bring new fans into the game is going to that younger generation. Yeah, and, and let's be honest. I, like, it doesn't matter. I don't matter as much as somebody who's coming to the game for the first time. I'm going to watch it, any version of it, right? I, I'm going to be there. I'm going to maybe complain about something, but I'm still going to enjoy it, and I'm still going to support it. And it's because I grew up as a... No, absolutely. I'm not, and I'm not saying that that's not a valid point that you want to keep to traditional numbers. Yeah. I'm just saying it seems to skew to a certain mm -hmm. age bracket and sometimes a certain nationality on who sure. wants to keep these traditional things. And as we've talked about through this whole Rugby World Cup cycle, that this this tier one old boy club needs to be yeah. abolished. And you see a lot of those fans who say that are fans of these tier one old boy club. Quote, I'm used. That's the, that's the name I'm calling oh, it sure. because the that's what people purist. in the media, 
I've called it. I'm not. I'm not trying to put people on blast for it. But that's yeah. what they've been called in the so, media. So let's so go I back to the World Cup for just a moment. You know, like okay. um, I'm watching Wales, and I'm watching mm-hmm. their numbers peel off like and like somebody is slicing an orange, right? Get ready to yeah, eat yeah. orange. I mean, their numbers. Like it was a jersey from the seventies. Where you know, and to I, I guess to the alternative point that I've been arguing is if you have player numbers throughout the team, now you can say, okay, you know, Hammer, you're what number are you? I want 33. Okay, you're 33, and I have a jersey with my name and number that is sublimated on it. And when I'm selected in the 23, that's the jersey I wear, regardless of what position I'm gonna play. Now we don't have to worry about you know the name coming off there that number identity coming off there it's going to be etched on there for the rest okay. of the season you know the only challenge to that is it's a little bit more difficult with sublimation to get from suppliers new jerseys when you make trades mm-hmm. or when new players come in and out of the side throughout the season we know that happens especially at the mlr level which is where we're right. deciding its right. application right right so i've got another counter another another thought and i like your suggestion there what if we kept the same numbers, 1 through 15, extended to the bench, 1 through 23. And in addition to the traditional number, on their jersey, above the number, underneath it, you have their social media handle. Players can interact <laughs> with them directly. That would audience. The people I was just talking about that are complaining about this yeah. would blow a fucking gasket. Isn't it the best of both? It's like the new and the old. Like you get what you want still, but we need to do this. I think it's a great idea. The bottom of the the kit there, you know, put it right on the bottom. Like like, like free jacks do dude wipes, you know? Dude, yeah, exactly. You have it on the ass, right? Hey, at, at, you know, whatever, whoever it is. At Rob Hammer Hammerschmidt. Nice ass. Right. Yeah, you know? exactly. And now you can have every player directly communi- communicate yeah. with your audience, taking the onus off the clubs, which is maybe what they don't want. But <laughs> yeah. but but my point is, is that you get fan engagement, player connection, uh, you get the uniqueness, you get brand identity, you get marketability, you get all those things. They now get followers. They now become pr- uh, commercial products or, or a digital product for you to be able to exploit for advertising purposes. Everybody wins. Instead of getting one, you get every player to become an ambassador unknowingly. Now, I, I always had a marketing. This- uh, sorry, Rob, real quick. I always this had is a marketing brain, boys. This is, I always had a marketing idea for rugby that could never work because it would just take way too much legal bullshit. But mm-hmm. if you ever watch the Army-Navy game, what Navy likes to do is, and Army likes to do is, they'll put the unit patch of where the guy's going. You know, yeah. So it won't just be the academy. It'll be, you know, whatever, a third infantry division or whatever. I always thought it would be cool if on the sleeve, you know, on one sleeve on USA Eagles has an has a American flag, and then on the other sleeve just has a little emblem of whatever club they're currently playing with. And I thought that yeah. would just be unique it would be cool you know you have some of your favorite players playing for for england that and you're a saracens fan and you can kind of put those together and it would be something a little bit different without being you know changing the traditional values of whatever people think but you know i I like the social media handle i'd only throw this out to you what happens and there are players like this and i can think of one off the top of my head um that don't really engage in social media, just not their thing. And oh, I'm not. And most, I'm not they can put. They can put. American Cancer Society. They can put whatever yeah, they want. 
I, yeah. I gotcha. I gotcha. I, my, like Christian Poitavin, and I love Christian Poitavin. I, I, you know, was so ecstatic to meet him for the first time at the final, but Christian's just a shy dude and he doesn't really do a lot on social at media. Rugby ramp pod. There we go. There we go. Yeah. Problems. I mean, the, the, the point is, and, and, and some players will be more involved than others. If I chose yeah. the number 99, because I want to be able to say I'm better than uh, Gretzky and that's my challenge in another sport or liken my you skills to, to his in another sport. Time. Yeah. I couldn't use it, <laughs> but yeah, but, but, that's how bold my personality represents my personality. If I'm just go with 15 because I'm a fullback. Okay. Right. That's you. But personalities will be bigger than others. Some will be smaller than others. And that's great. Everybody has the opportunity to do it their way and choose their title and create their own brand, putting the opportunity in their pockets on and off the field as well. Because remember, you just spoke about uh, Damian Stevens. Imagine DS9 is advertised at every game just through his handle. Yep. Now he's got value in it. He owns his brand, which is player and likeness. It's a big conversation. Who owns that right now in American sports? College has made the biggest advancement. College uh, football has made the biggest advancement in the last couple of years. So these are conversations that are already being had, which shows parity. And I think it blends the, the perfect balance between would, innovation and tradition. Would the MLR want that, though? They don't want they don't want DS9 if that's his hashtag or his handle. So, so yeah, I can't answer that. But I can you tell know? you why wouldn't they, in my opinion, why wouldn't you want inherently 500 registered players become ambassadors for you overnight? Well, because in the case of DS9, now you're now without right. Which charging is a player, part of it. And he's I get getting that. free advertising for his brand. Great. Right. That's fine. That's but that, and maybe, and maybe tell it me why DS9. a sponsor is paying five hundred thousand dollar to have their name across the well, because the sponsor's not playing the sport right or do you leverage or do you leverage that and go ds9 also needs to promote this online in order to be eligible to have that yeah right there's ways there's ways to do the brand partner side of it that won't kill the mlr as far as re, you know um right real estate on the kit and, and yeah and distinguishing it from a sponsor sponsor Again, nobody from American Airlines is playing on the fucking Eagles, you know. So right, right. If 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 they want to charge American Airlines half a million dollars to have the AA logo on it, that's fine because none of those people are playing. If you're putting, if you're going out there and, and playing and you're showing your brand, I don't think that's the biggest thing as far as saying distinguishing between sponsorship and um, promotion. Promotion. Right. And 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 if you're in, if you are in a conversation that is complaining about, well. Our other sponsors think that they should have a piece of this. That's a good conversation to have because that means somebody's interested in your product. Right? So so my my take is I'll throw it out to the MLR if anybody's listening. You want innovation <laughs> and, and tradition? That's my piece there. But gentlemen, I throw it back to you as you were the ones debating this for the start. And of course, now the end, what are your final thoughts where do we land on the conversation of using unique numbers chosen by the players in Major League Rugby moving forward? Scott, Still not convinced. Oh, Rob, I'll give it to you then first. Whoever Still wants not convinced. To You're not convinced. Still not so, convinced. I think, I think a player can 
No, I just think a player can brand, you know, with, you know, with their number that the traditional rugby number, even if they don't always wear the seven jersey, you know, um, a guy like Arde Sevilla. I right. Mean, There's plenty of room to build a brand. Still. There's plenty of ways to build a brand. I mean, if you look online, he has actually a likeness of what his hair used to look like. And along with his face, kind of speaking to what Scott said earlier. So he's built the brand identity, identity around something else altogether. Right. Okay. Scott? Yeah, I think right now for where the sport is in the States, I would say it's a step that will confuse new new people to rugby, and that's not what we want right now. Mm-hmm. I'm always the person advocating on here that the league needs to do more fucking rugby education, and nobody from the league is Yeah, not only make it harder. Yeah. Um, I do have to say, you know, talk about it's funny because you look at Tom Brady, right, and everybody has the TB12 thing, but look at Aaron Rodgers. He wore the number 12 his entire uh, career at Green Bay, moves to the Jets. He's wearing the number eight now. Didn't change his brand. You know, it didn't make a difference. He didn't fight for it. Anymore. He didn't want the number 12. Somebody else already had it. He didn't want to come in and take that person, you know, and, 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 and what is it? Uh, is Joe Namath was 12, right? Yeah, Joe Namath. Yeah, you know, he doesn't want to take Joe Namath's jersey. And so he's like, I'll just switch to number eight because my, my name brand is already there. So, again, if we can promote individuals, you know, Dylan Fawcett is one of the most liked players in the MLR across teams you know he's an eagle he's you know aviators you know a life guy it's it's people know him and they still root for him even though they might not be an iron workers fan right and the league i feel rarely promotes those guys in my opinion you know they started to do it recently um the mlr started like uh, i know um connor buckley was in a bunch of stuff for the mlr and there's a bunch Mm -hmm. of younger guys in there. chance when was 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 doing a, a bunch of stuff but it seems to be few and far between. And right now is the time you should do it. All of these players, especially the Eagles, aren't in the World Cup. Right. You should be doing deep dive pieces into in, it. You in, should in say season right. in general. Like exactly. You should you should go and say Connor Buckley grew up in New York. He played high school rugby in New York. He played college rugby in New York. He got signed by the New York team. And that's something that they always right. talk about in the NFL that I they rarely do, I feel, in the NLR. Yeah. So I think that where it stands for both uh, you and uh, Rob and, and Scott is uh, tradition doesn't need to be meddled with in this case. Um, the goal if, of creating a unique identity, brand awareness and all of those things that they have value in it can be still be achieved by representing the same number as every other rugby player. Yeah. All right. So as per usual, rugby fans tuning in, thank you very much for spending this time with us. But we encourage you to tell us what you think under the handle at Rugby Rant Pod. See how that works? Yeah, I'm telling you, man. I'm telling you that I'm onto something. Um, but more importantly, uh, you can continue to tell us what you think. Maybe we're way off base. Maybe you think it's got some really great uh, insights and value that we didn't even discuss here. Let us know in social media under the handle at Rugby Rant Pod. And don't forget to get all this content and more through your regular podcast services, whether you do it through audio or perhaps through streaming service on TRN or everywhere, anywhere else. Of course, we'll be back again week after week to do what we do here, which is to grow rugby one fan at a time. On behalf of the gang, Rob Hammerschmidt, Scott, the big guy Ferrara, and my name is Ty Braga. Thank you for sticking around and we will see you at the next. 